Welcome to PwC's Next in Health podcast. I'm Ben Isger, leader of PwC's Health Research Institute. And today with me is Trina Tideros, who leads HRI's Regulatory Center. Welcome, Trina. Thanks, Ben. It's always great to be here. Well, once again, I know I say this every week, but we've got lots of interesting things to cover. So let's get right to it. Let's dive into this concept of excess deaths. And I know that sounds like a gruesome way to dive in, but there's been a lot of discussion around COVID numbers in the U.S. and comparing those to excess deaths and what that may mean. So Trina, could you enlighten us? What are excess deaths? Yeah. So in reality, it's actually not that easy to know at any given moment how many people have died in a country. And so there are reporting lags. It's hard to know exactly what folks have died from until some time has passed and and researchers can go back and comb records and things like that. So when we have an experience like a pandemic, People want to know how many people died due to COVID-19 and also how many people died due to other things. And so one way to look at that is to look at the concept of excess deaths. And that is when you look at what would have been expected over a period of time, you look at how many people died in reality over that period of time. And then you calculate the excess deaths. And that is a way to sort of measure what happened over a public health crisis like the pandemic. These calculations are made for other reasons too, not just for pandemics. So all of this is to say that the CDC recently came out with some modeling looking at excess deaths in the United States. And what they said is that they estimate that between January 26th of 2020, which is when the public health crisis began, and February 27th, 2021, so about over a period of one year, that between 546,000 to 660,000 Americans, more Americans died between that period of time than would have been expected had the pandemic not happened from all causes. So that's not just COVID-19. That is everything else, too. The range is large because we don't really know yet. This is a modeling calculation. But they also said that they estimate that between 64,000 and 162,000 Americans died of causes that are not attributable to COVID-19. Those are additional excess deaths. So between 64,000 and 162,000 more Americans died of other causes, not COVID-19, than would have been expected. And so I think this just speaks to the cataclysm that the pandemic has been that we are all quite aware of. And as time goes on, researchers will be able to better pinpoint these numbers. But clearly, no matter what numbers we're talking about, 546,000 Americans or 660, we're talking about an enormous number of people, enormous number of losses that we experience in the United States. Well, let's keep on the theme of numbers, but just twist just a little bit. And let's talk a a bit about ED visits. So the emergency departments, very interesting numbers in terms of what has been happening during the pandemic and still what's happening now. Apparently, people aren't going to the ED like they were before. Yeah, yeah. In many areas, hospitals rebounded in terms of their volumes shortly after the lockdowns of the spring last year. But emergency department visits are one area where that just didn't happen. We had a huge decline in the lockdown, which we are all familiar with. But then after that, both for adults and children, the utilization in the EDs did not return completely, especially for children under the age of 10. 
Why that is, we don't really fully understand. I think that will be looked at in coming months and years. But part of it could be that parents and adults found other ways to get care, that they avoided the emergency rooms because they feared that they were full of COVID patients or people who had maybe were suspected to have COVID. And so they found telehealth and other ways to get care. That could be part of it. It also could be that people decided not to go, even though they might have been having something very serious happen, like a heart attack or a stroke. And that might, some of that might account for some of the excess deaths that we were just talking about from other causes other than COVID-19. But that is an area that has not rebounded completely. And that is an interesting phenomenon that we'll be looking at and examining in the years to come. But there are some areas, though, that the data is showing where we do see some increases. And I think infectious disease and mental health disorders fit in those categories. What do you think is going on there? So when, and all these data come from the CDC as well, when the CDC looked at diagnoses associated with these emergency room visits that did happen for adults, so these are adults over the age of 18, they found that the proportion of visits went up for mental health situations socioeconomic and psychosocial factors, and of course, unsurprisingly, COVID-19. So those are the areas where the proportion of visits went up. Where they went down are really interesting. Influenza, which we know is scarce to be found in the United States over the flu season. Otitis media, earaches, sinusitis, acute bronchitis, other upper respiratory infections, all those went down. And so that is also a fascinating phenomenon. Did we see because of the mask wearing and social distancing and the other non-pharmaceutical interventions that we've had on these other upper respiratory issues sort of become more rare? Or is it that when people are sick with these, they just decided, you know what, I'm going to stay out of the the ED and I'm going to take care of myself at home or, or call my primary care doctor? We don't really know the answer to that. But It is an interesting phenomena. So Ben, I think this is an interesting place to talk about telehealth and these alternative ways of getting care because that might account for some of this volume that's disappeared in the EDs. What do we know about that? Well, I think that's kind of the million-dollar question, and you're right. It actually ties perfectly to what's happening in terms of the emergency departments. The question is, are people using other points of access to care? Telehealth is one of those. We asked this question in a recent consumer survey, and we asked, where would you be willing to receive services virtually? About a third of consumers said they would prefer an initial assessment of a physical condition to be done virtually. More than a third said ongoing treatments for a physical condition. 16% of consumers said they'd actually like a virtual emergency visit. And almost 20% said for mental and behavioral health services. So I do think there's something in the data there around people just having other sites of care besides the emergency room. You know, when we go to the physical spaces as well, we actually see something similar. So urgent care, the use of urgent care has gone up 18% by consumers over the course of the pandemic. And the use of retail health clinics has increased by 40% over the course of the pandemic. So again, both virtual and in-person, lots of other doors into the health system besides the emergency room. 
which by the way, is something that the health system has been working on for years, getting proper use of the emergency room and then using other sites of care for more non-emergent conditions. There was another thing that you mentioned, Trina, about use of the emergency room, and that's for mental health conditions. And certainly, that could be a very appropriate use of the emergency room. As we know, mental health, there's been a really tough impact on mental health during the course of the pandemic. So we asked consumers again, what do you plan to use to help you manage anxiety, stress, or other mental or behavioral health issues resulting from the pandemic? Going back to our video telehealth visits, about 12% of the younger demographic, 18 to 24-year-olds said that they would like to use a video telehealth visit for a mental health visit. About 7% of the population at large. Virtual support groups, 8% in the younger demographic, 3% overall. An emotional support app, 10% of the younger demographic, about 3% overall. And then a video telehealth visit with a specific mental health professional, almost 20% of the younger demographic and about 7% of the population overall. So I do think we're reaching this inflection point of not just substitutes for the ER, but also virtual being a place where people can go for mental health care as well. While we're connecting to mental health care, I want to turn to another very, very serious subject, which is around suicide rates in the United States. And Trina, we have some really interesting and and actually some very challenging statistics that we see coming out about suicide rates. Yeah. The New York Times actually wrote an article recently pointing this out. So hat tip to the New York Times for talking about this. The Number of suicides in the U.S. over the pandemic actually declined, which was a surprise to a lot of folks because we had heard throughout, you know, about the sort of dramatic rise in reports of anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation amongst Americans. So whenever there were polls, there were these big increases in the numbers of people saying that they were experiencing these really tough conditions. And so people wondered, you know, will we see the number of suicides rise? But they didn't. They declined overall. But that is not true for Black Americans. The suicides actually rose for Black Americans. I don't, I've not seen an overall national picture. But what the New York Times pointed out is that if you look at some of these state reports, so states have done their own analyses and state after state that has looked at this has found the same trend, which is that the suicides for Black Americans have gone up. I'm looking at some data right now from Maryland, and Maryland found that. And you can see the white suicides actually went down over the period of the pandemic after an initial rise during the lockdown period. But for Black Americans, they actually rose. And so this is, I think, again, an expression of the very different experiences that people have had in the United States. Another way that Black Americans have suffered more during the pandemic as a group and a very concerning trend that I think will have to be looked at and addressed. So yeah, very sad data, I think, and in some ways not surprising given all that has happened over the past year, but still a really sad and tragic one nonetheless. And I think the key phrase that you used is not surprising. And I think that's the shame and the challenge for the health system. And 
our research from two years ago, we looked at race and gender and age and how that affects the health treatment that you get in the U.S. And so this is not a new story of inequities in the health system. We've seen it in the data. Women have worse outcomes overall than men after certain types of heart attacks. Black women have a higher incidence of heart attacks in all age categories compared with white women. Black consumers are less likely to get pain medication than other patients. Women are less likely to be in clinical trials than men. So all of these things matter, and we are seeing it in the data. Certainly during the pandemic, we have seen it. But I think it's important for our listeners to know that it's not just because of the pandemic that we actually have had these issues in the health system overall. You know, Trina, it's one of the reasons why in our consumer data, we have been looking more and more at race and ethnicity because it's not only to point out the problems, but it's also the solution. So how do we make sure that we have more equity in the way we deliver healthcare? So one small example from one of our recent consumer surveys, where do people want to get vaccines? And you can break that down by age. You can break that down by race, ethnicity, gender, a lot of different ways. But just to give our listeners just a little bit of flavor, in general, white respondents were more likely to say they wanted to get a vaccine in a doctor's office. Black respondents more likely to say in a retail clinic, urgent care center, or pharmacy. Latinx respondents also more interested in getting their vaccines in a retail clinic, urgent care center, or pharmacy. So why is that important? Well, if we want to make sure that every zip code has great access to vaccines, we have to also realize that not everyone has the same preference in terms of where they get them and and access to that. So this type of data really, really matters. I'll just add that when we published this report, looking at the health disparities, that was in December of 2019, just when the pandemic was getting started and and the virus was just beginning to spread. We Barely anyone was aware of what was coming. And I think that the thinking behind what we wrote in that Top Health Industry Issues report It rings so true now, looking a year later at how the pandemic played out and even the thinking around vaccines that we just published. A lot of these are known facts. And if they're put into action, they can make a real difference. It's just a matter of taking these insights and executing on them. Well, Trina, I think that's perfect advice for us to end the podcast on today and a lot for our listeners to think about. But for more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.